Thanks so much for being here with us this morning. I'm, uh, I'm so glad that you're, that you're watching with us, and uh, so thanks for being a part of it. Um, this morning we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 13, and uh, it is uh, very relevant. Um, I think you're going to hate the sermon. I'll just, I'll just start with that, uh, but that's, that's okay. Let me read it for us, and then, and then we'll get going, and I'll tell you why you might hate it. So here we go, uh, chapter 2, beginning in verse 13 of 1 Peter. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Now there's three things that I think I see in this passage that are just, just key points uh, that we're looking at here. The first one is to obey authority. The second one is to obey authority, especially when you disagree. And the third one is obey authority because Jesus suffered unjustly for your sake. So obey authority, especially when you disagree, because Jesus suffered for your sake. Now, a little bit about, about me and my, uh, my issues with authority. Uh, I got to tell you that this, this is an area that uh, I don't love to talk about. And it's because when I read this scripture and I have to teach you, I'm convicted about my own, uh, my own attitude towards authority. I'll just be very honest. In fact, when I was a kid, when we were growing up, it was like, I don't know, was that the mid-80s or something like that? You know, the Beastie Boys were really popular. I don't know if you've heard of them, uh, but uh, the Beastie Boys were a rap group of, of some sort, three white guys, in fact. Um, in any case, they were uh, a rap group, and we listened to them all the time. In fact, we were not allowed to listen to secular music, music that was not Christian, uh, and so every time my parents left the house for any amount of time, which was, which was frequent because they had different things that they were doing because my dad was a pastor and so forth. But, uh, but when my parents left the house, as soon as they left, you could hear, kick it. And then the song would start uh, that, that goes something like this. 
you, you wake up late for school, man, you don't want to go, you ask your mom, please, but she still says, no, I have a hard time not wrapping it right now to you, but you miss two classes and no homework, but your teacher preaches class like you're some kind of jerk, you got to fight for your right to party. Your pops caught you smoking and he says, no way, that hypocrite smokes two packs a day. Man, living at home is such a drag. Now your mom threw away your best reading material, okay? Kiddos in the room. You got to fight for your right to party. Don't step out of this house. If that's the clothes you're going to wear, I'll kick you out of my home if you don't cut that hair. Your mom, your mom busted in and said, what's that noise? Ah, oh, mom, you're just jealous. It is the Beastie Boys. You got to fight for your right to party. So, I don't know if there is a a, a wider rendition of that song than the one that I just gave you. Uh, Beastie Boys were a big part of uh, my idea, my ideology of uh, of authority and the way that we, uh, the way that I viewed authority. Um, There's another song by uh, John Cougar Mellencamp called I Fight, or it's, it's called the Authority Song. But it basically says, I fight authority and authority always wins. It's, it's basically the struggle against uh, authority. That was another one of my, my favorite songs. But basically, as I was growing up, like the easiest way to get me to do something was to tell me not to do it. That was just simply, that was the easiest way for, if you, don't want, if you want me to do this, then just tell me not to do it and I will figure out how to do it. But basically, that came out of um, a pretty authoritarian environment. I mean... Uh, you know, I, I grew up in like a, a fundamentalist Christian home. Uh, uh, discipline was very heavy-handed, not just in my home, but in the school uh, that I was in as well. It was a Christian school, and there was corporal punishment, meaning I got spanked on a regular basis, um, and, I, and, I, and I felt abused. I felt abused a lot of the time, and I, I felt so abused that uh, as, a, as a child that uh, little by little, in my life, I began to uh, kind of come up with this, uh, this ideology for my life that basically said, no one will ever mistreat me. Uh, no one will ever treat me like that again. I mean, there, I, can, I can tell you specific moments in my life when I said authority no longer has a hold over me. And it, 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 it really bothered me. And in fact, it, 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 on into my adult years... Um, I really spent much of my 20s really battling with this idea of authority. And even today, like when I see a misuse of authority, when I see authority abused, I, I, it makes my blood boil. Um, when, when I see authority taking advantage of somebody, I want to stand up, I want to hurt somebody, I, 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 want to, I want to get very, very angry. And, 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 and more than wanting to get angry, I do get angry at that. I have a major problem with authority. I'm, I, I just want to be honest with you that I have a major problem with authority. Andy Crouch has this great book called Strong and Weak. And he talks about the, the, the differences between the strong and the weak. It's a fantastic book. You ought to read it, by the way. Um, again, Andy Crouch, the book is Strong and Weak. But basically, he talks about the difference between strong and weak, and he describes it as uh, those having authority and those having vulnerability. And he talks about like when, when leadership has a great combination of authority combined with vulnerability, 
there is the great opportunity to see people flourish under that leadership structure. And so many of us really push back on authority because perhaps you're like me, like you went through some experience in your life where authority was abused. So there was authority, but there was no vulnerability. And so ultimately that authority became abusive or that that authority was really authoritarian. It was really only authority. There was no vulnerability. There was no relationship there. And so uh, we have a major, uh, a major problem with authority that has no vulnerability. And so our issues are really tied to this, this, uh, this reality. In fact, our country was built on the idea of this authoritarian government that uh, was imposing taxes and all kinds of other things. And lo and behold, here comes uh, the United States of America uh, with its own const- constitution and its Bill of Rights. And all of those Bill of Rights and all of those things really point back to abuses from an authoritarian government that had no vulnerability. And so our our country and we as people are really built on this idea of pushing back against authoritarian government. And so this is a pretty timely message from the word here because we're in the midst of, you know, some, uh, some crazy circumstances as we have COVID-19 that's run rampant through our, our country, and there's differing opinions on how rampant that is, or what are the necessary precautions that we should be taking. Are, are they too much, or are they not enough? Um, I, I mean, should, should we really be in the midst of a shutdown, um, or, or shouldn't, we, shouldn't everybody be required to wear, wear a face mask everywhere they go, and should we shut this thing down for the next year, or should we open it up tomorrow? I mean, there's just so many things that are going on here, and so I want to communicate with you this morning that this passage, I don't believe, is black and white. I don't believe it's absolutely black and white. I think that there are gradations of, like, how should we respond in this situation? And each of us is going to need to go prayerfully to the Lord and ask him what our response should be. Because I do believe it's right and good to protest certain things. But there's some, there's some caveats there that I think that we need to remember. The first thing that I want you to remember is last week we, we ended on, uh, really, verse 12 was the last verse that we went, went over. And it says this, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, So that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So we need to remember that as we walk through this passage, that what this is saying, if you read it from the NIV, the NIV says, uh, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. It's that the, the passage is really telling us like, because Jesus has done this for you, you should be living in this way. This is, this is who you are to be. Live good lives and do good deeds. Now, when you and I think about what are the good deeds that we should be doing, uh, I don't know that the first thing that I would come up with is to obey authority. But that's what Peter goes to. And so he says, be subject for the Lord's sake, to every human institution. He says, I want you to subject yourself, and to be subject means to uh, submit to or to put oneself under. It means to actually put yourself under that person and over their leadership or under their leadership 
and direction. It means to, uh, to allow yourself to be put into a vulnerable position, to put yourself in this place. It says, be subject for the Lord's sake. It's not for anybody else's sake. It's for the sake of the Lord that this is about your Christian witness. And if I could say anything to you this morning, that whatever it is that you post on Facebook, that whatever it is that you, that you like, that what, whatever it is that you say, whatever it is that you feel, whatever protest you go to, I just want to tell you that you take the fame of God wherever you go. And you are speaking as one, as though you are speaking for God, because you represent God. And that's why Peter says, listen, I, like, live in such a way that people see what you're doing, and ultimately, on the last day, there will be more people that know Jesus, that will glorify God, that will look forward to his returning not afraid of his returning. They're looking forward to his returning because they've received Jesus Christ as Savior because of your witness in the community, because of what you've had to say. So it's saying, for the Lord's sake, not for anybody else's sake, but for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Now, if you're going to be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, let's just talk about a few of those here. We're talking about federal, state, Local government, federal. I don't know what you think about Donald Trump, and I don't care. But I'm just telling you that this is talking about our federal government and our leaders. It means subject yourself to that authority. Remember I said that there's gray areas here and that you're going to have to go to the Lord with this. But I just want you to know that this passage is talking about our government. Secondly, uh, the, the, the first one was federal. The second one was, was state there. So state. So we've got a, we've got a governor, uh, Governor Kate Brown. So, I mean, there's a lot of you that, that, that might love or at least agree with on some level Donald Trump and hate Kate Brown or vice versa. Like you, you love Kate Brown and you hate Donald Trump. What, I don't know where you're at this morning, but this is saying that we're, we're not just talking about uh, the people that we like, we're talking about the people that we may not like. There's more about that here uh, down, down the line. But it's talking about local government. It's talking about our city council. I mean, there's lots of frustrations with our city council today. And I, I don't know all the details about that, but I know that there's been a lot of talk, whether it, it comes down to the homeless situation or the, the, the other bridge that, that people want built in, in our city. I mean, those are issues that are happening here. And this is saying that we are to put ourselves in subjection to, to them. And so it's saying that every human institution, whether it's the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him, by the Lord. Like this is saying, like, you need to honor these people as much as you may disagree with their politics. As much as you may disagree with their policies, as much as you may disagree, like there is an, ex an expectation from the word of God that you would honor the people that you disagree with, that you would allow yourself to be vulnerable to this authority, that you would allow yourself to sit in vulnerability and, so, and, and see that they are sent by him. And they have uh, not just these two functions, but they are here to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. 
So they're not just here to be punishing, but they're also here to praise. Like they have a, a real role in society, and that is to, to keep society from degenerating into lawlessness. And to one degree or another, that is happening through our government, and we can be thankful for that. We can honor our elected officials for the fact that on, on some level, I mean, we don't live in an anarchist state. We live in a state that actually has laws and Generally speaking, wrongdoers are brought to justice. And so, for, for this is the will of God, that this isn't just something that, uh, that God is saying, yeah, maybe you ought to do this, but this is the will of God, that God's will in your life is that you would put yourself in subjection to these people, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. And that's just saying, again, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. That there would be people who have accusations that they're leveling against Christians and that they would see your good deeds. They'd see how you comply with the authorities and they would, and they would say, oh, I guess that isn't true about them. Now, folks, we need to recognize that throughout the, the world, our, our, our country and, uh, and, and South Korea, especially I, I heard about... Uh, you know, one such story where there was a so-called church that continued to meet even though there had been a shutdown order and that they can trace many of the coronavirus cases back to that church. I don't know how true that is, but I just want to help us understand something. That it does, our, our reputation, it does the reputation of God no good if we are seen in our culture as people who are allowing this to continue. Now, you may disagree with how that happens. You may disagree with these policies or whatever, but I just want to be clear. That's one way that our witness could be severely tarnished. What if you're wrong? What if, what if you're wrong about your particular position? And, and what if it comes out that somebody passes away because we met together. Or what if you're wrong and, and somebody dies because you didn't follow the rules? Uh, that kind of thing. I, I just want to bring that to you and say, I think that there's ways to protest that. I think there's degrees of, of, uh, of, of obeying on some level in this time. It's kind of it's weird. Like, you can do this, but maybe you shouldn't. But you also can. I don't know if you've seen that meme or that video, whatever it is. But it, it's kind of weird. It's like, what exactly are we supposed to be doing? Well, social distancing and how does that work? That, that is for between you and the Lord and obviously the government. But it says to put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. It says live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as uh, servants of God. Living as servants of God and, and not using your freedom as, as a cover-up. What this essentially means is this, is that when you become a Christian, like when you begin to walk with Jesus and you begin to have relationship with him, one of the things that takes place is that you're all of a sudden, you're not bound by this world. Like you live in freedom because you serve the king of kings. Like you are a slave to God, in essence. You're no longer a slave to, to fear or to sin or to anything else. That you're free from all things. And yet he says, don't use that freedom to dishonor our authorities. Don't use that freedom as a way of, 
of, uh, of basically saying, I'm going to do whatever I want. Because that's just using your freedom as a cover-up for, uh, for evil. That's basically saying, I'm free from all things, and so therefore I don't have to obey this government. That's not what God's called you to. Because it is the will of God, and for the Lord's sake, that you would be subjected to um, authority. What we're talking about here is uh, uh, voluntarily allowing yourself to be subjected to vulnerability even though you serve the God of absolute authority. Voluntarily allowing yourself to be subjected to vulnerability. It's saying, even though God has given me all authority, I will live as one who is vulnerable. I will live as, as one who has vulnerability. And I just want to encourage you. I'm, listen, you know my issues. I told you that I struggle with this same thing. I've got my own thoughts on this. I'm, I'm Hopefully not going to go off on those this morning. And this is a a difficult passage for me. But I just got, I'm I'm just pleading with you. That your witness, what what people know about God is coming through. What you're saying, what you're posting, who you are. So the first thing is ultimately this. And that is that we should obey authority. And I missed this last verse actually. It says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Now that's interesting because of this. I mean, the first, the first couple are honor everyone. Let's just ask ourselves some questions. Are we honoring the people that we disagree with through what we're posting? Are you honoring people that, that you disagree with and what you're posting, how you're protesting, and what you say? I mean, and this isn't just in COVID-19, uh, you know, during this crisis. This is... You know, all kinds of things. I mean, the, the anti-vax, you know, crew. Are you honoring everyone that you disagree with? The people who are pro-vax, are you honoring everyone? Birthing methods. You know, homeschool. You know, public school. Yeah, I mean, just, there's so many different, different things that we could fight about, especially kind of some silly things within the Christian community. Are we honoring everyone and loving the brotherhood? Are we fearing God and not man? We're fearing God, not man. The last one there is honor the emperor. The emperor during that time, as best we can tell, was Nero. Nero was a, a horrific emperor during his day. Nero was... A persecutor of the church. People burned at the stake, crucified, all all kinds of things. They're just horrific. Absolutely horrific. So here we have Peter, who is arguably the leading member of the Christian church, which is being persecuted. This is not, Peter's not some type of high priest with a flowing robe, living in a high place and overseeing all these churches. We're talking about a dude who's poor, who, who doesn't have a whole lot going on for him other than the fact that he knows Jesus and that he saw Jesus. And so he's preaching that word. He's not rich. He's oppressed. He's a Christian who is being oppressed. And as history tells us, or legend tells us at least, that Peter was most likely uh, crucified upside down. Uh, it, that he was crucified for his faith. 
So we're not talking about somebody who's high and mighty. He's part of the ruling class or something like that saying, hey, you people down there, why don't you just obey and shut up and listen, that kind of thing. We're talking about somebody who was oppressed by Nero himself, who is able to say, hey, God has called us to serve this emperor, no matter how much we hate our emperor today, no matter how much you hate the president, no matter how much you hate uh, Governor Brown, no matter how much you love either of them, you are, you and I are sharing Christ with the way that we honor those people. Have you thought of that? Because it's really important that you do. Isn't it interesting Just think about that for a second. Isn't it interesting that that's the first thing that Peter goes to when he says, live such good lives or keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Live such good lives among the pagans. The first thing he goes to is, how do you deal with authority? How do you deal with it? Man, the first thing is to obey authority. The second thing is this, especially when you disagree. Number one, obey authority. Number two, especially when you disagree. Verse 18, servants, be subject to your masters with all respect. We got to say something about that because we are talking (coughs) about a slave-master relationship. What I'm told is that it's, it's not quite what we had in the deep south in early American history in regards to chattel slavery, as I understand it. It's not quite that. It's still oppressive, uh, but there were wages, possibly. um, However, they were still probably taken from their homes, and they were forced into slavery. The closest thing that we have today to this kind of slavery is our work. And so that's how we apply it often. This, by no means, is approving of slavery. It's saying there's a system in place that cannot be changed in our time. And so Peter is saying, how do we exist in this system? As wrong as slavery is, as wrong as authoritarian leadership is, how do we exist as Christians if we find ourselves in that situation? So I just want to make that clear. He says, servants, be subject to your masters with all respect. Now, I think he brings this out because he's saying, what if you're really being abused? And, and, and so, should, I'm obeying authority, but what if you're being abused? And so he quickly says, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Now, I, quickly, I, I just, I just want to say this, that, I mean, again, depending on who you agree with, our governor or our president, or maybe you disagree with both. I don't know. There's probably somebody in the middle there that has uh, some, some different beliefs. But no matter who you agree with or disagree with, that there's going to be times when there's people that we want to follow who are good and gentle. That there's this, there's this uh, gentleness that comes from good leadership. That we, we love what they do. They have charisma. We love what they say. We're, we, we enjoy them as great leaders. I don't know who you look up to as a great leader in life, but oftentimes they're good. They're gentle. They're nice. They're great people, that kind of a thing. But Peter is saying, I'm not saying that you should just follow the ones, that you should just honor the ones 
that you really agree with, I'm saying that you should honor the ones that you disagree with. And so, I mean, there's a bunch of objections that we could bring up about what's going on with the shutdown right now. Like, it's going to kill our economy. Or if we open up right now, then, uh, then uh, there's going to be more people who die. Depending on what side of the, uh, you know, the, the spectrum you find yourself on and who you find yourself disagreeing with, that you can look at it and you can say, this is an injustice. And injustice should not exist because God is just. And so you could very easily make the case that says, it is unjust for this to take place. And so therefore, I will respond in this way. And I will push back against this authority uh, by dishonoring them or something along those lines. And that's oftentimes where we find ourselves. That's where I find myself oftentimes, is that I, I just want to say something. I mean, I, was, I remember wa- uh, uh, watching my, uh, one of my son's uh, baseball games. There's a first base coach uh, sitting there, and he was, uh, he was coaching his player who was, who was standing on first base, and he, and he kept saying, get off, get off. And he was telling his player to get off uh, first base and, and get a lead so that he could steal the next base. The reason why he was doing that, I believe, is that he was trying to distract our pitcher. And so here is a grown man, a grown individual who is misusing his authority and taking advantage of someone who is vulnerable, a junior hire, by the way, (laughs) uh, taking advantage of a junior hire who's on the mound and trying to distract him. I wanted to knock that guy's block off. And this is how these fights happen on baseball fields. And that's what I was saying to myself is that like the last thing the Outward Church needs is a a video of of its pastor jumping the fence and just like, that kind of a thing. It makes me so frustrated. That was unjust. Now, many of us can feel that way. We can feel, <clears throat> excuse me, we can feel like we just want to uh, go right this situation. We have a bill of rights. This is unconstitutional. We, this should not be happening. Whatever it is, what this is saying is that we need to be subject to We need to voluntarily allow ourselves to be subjected to vulnerability for the purpose of human flourishing. We need to voluntarily subject ourselves to authority so that we can live in this vulnerability. It says, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust, for this is a gracious thing. This is a commendable thing, the NIV says. It's a commendable thing that when you're mindful of God, when you have God in mind, it's not just that I'm enduring this injustice or what I feel like is unjust. It's, it's, it's not just that I'm just enduring this, it's that I'm mindful of God, that I'm not just doing this because I was told to do this, I'm doing this as I'm fearing God. See, I fear God when I place myself, when I subject myself to vulnerability in my world. I fear God when I'm doing that, and I'm doing it as, as an honor to God. I'm mindful of God. I'm mindful of who He is and what He's done. Uh, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. Like this is what we're called to, believers. 
We are called to suffer for doing good. It's unjust suffering because even though we are doing good, we are suffering for it. There's so many stories about this throughout history and even in our own country where someone has suffered for doing good. But this is what God has called us to. For what credit is it if, you, if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? Just apply that to, for what credit is it to you when you disobey the law and you're reprimanded or, or you are brought to justice and you endure that? Like that's just, that you, that's, you just deserve that because you disobeyed the law. And he's saying, that's no credit to you. He says, but if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing. This is a commendable thing in the sight of God. Now, what about the question of, you know, uh, I believe, you might say, I believe that what the government is asking us to do, and by the way, I have no idea how many people in our church uh, disagree with the shutdown or anything about this. I, ha- I literally know of like one or two people. So I may be preaching to the choir. This is the best example I have. So my apologies if I'm preaching to the choir. But uh, So what about the situation that says like the government has forced churches to shut down? I know that my wife has, had, had been invited to some type of a page that was basically... Um, talking about this rally that happened, I think, this weekend, and there were people that were on that page, maybe it was one of you, I have no idea, uh, that, w- that were railing against pastors. And you're railing against pastors, or they were railing against pastors because they were giving in to this shutdown order. And they were basically saying, like, uh, that we should not be giving into this, this should not be what we're doing, um, we don't have any guts, you know, this is shutting down, um, you know, r- religions. The, the problem is, is that we're not being singled out. The church is not being singled out because we're also talking about restaurants, bars, gyms, and all of those things that are also being shut down. I was on a call, uh, a Zoom call with about 110 other pastors uh, the county commissioner was there, a representative from the governor was there, as well as many other, uh, it wasn't just pastors, it was other faiths as well that were involved in this call. But we, we were sitting there talking, and what I felt like from the county commissioner as well as from uh, the governor's representative is this, is that they want us to be able to meet together as quickly as possible. They also don't want this pandemic to continue in our city. I, I might disagree with the ways that they're going about that. I think I probably do on some level. But I'm not saying that tomorrow that we should start meeting together. I'm not saying that. And here's why. It's because uh, I care about our community. I don't want that on my head. And by the way, I don't know if anybody really realizes this, but as the lead pastor, I have personal liability. Like, I have personal liability. If somebody comes into this building, my name is on the lease. Uh, my, my name is on this thing, and someone can sue me personally. And so this is, these are important facts. The other thing that I would say is this, is that we have not been commanded to sin. The, the government is not commanding us to sin. And you, we could uh, dicker on the idea of, you know, is this because it says in Hebrews that we should not give up meeting together as some, as, as some are in the habit of doing, that perhaps that this is somehow causing us to sin. And I would say absolutely not. Because what I believe is this, 
is that I, be- I want to give the best of intentions, or I, I want to assume the best of intentions by our government, that they really don't want our entire economy to be completely tanked. Because now they have less money. They, they don't have uh, taxes as a result. And my understanding of this uh, you know, person who is g- the governor of our state, I believe that she really wants money for programs. And I have no idea why she would shut down every business and every person who, who uh, brings in uh, a paycheck and then who also would owe taxes from that. Now all of that is wiped out as a result. I have no idea why they would actually do that uh, to hurt themselves. What I believe the best of intentions that they have is this, is that they want to care about people in our city or people in our state. And that's the best thing that I can say is that like, I don't know. I just, I just want to assume the best. I want to honor the governor. I don't always agree. In fact, I don't, I, I, I very frequently disagree. I'll just say that. I very frequently disagree, but I want to honor them. And I, and, I, and I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. Christians, listen. We've got to stop listening to conspiracy theories. I, I understand that we may find out that some of those are true. But listening to a conspiracy theory is oftentimes slander of our elected officials. And we are commanded not to slander people. To gossip about them or to say things about them that we just don't know are true. You need to think about that. I'm not saying that you can't have interest in that. I don't want to try to control what you say or what you think or what you feel. But I just want to, I, I just want to tell you that when Christian people promote conspiracy theories of which there isn't evidence, I, I, just, I just want to encourage you to think about that. And so what I believe is this. I don't believe that our government is, is calling us to sin. I believe that our government is actually trying to promote human flourishing the best way that they know how. And if I can say one more thing about that. When you become a leader, the, what oftentimes happens is that there's always somebody that either knows better or thinks they know better. And they will tell you that. But when you get into leadership and you have crisis situations and things that are happening, and you're just trying to figure out what to do. Like, I just got to tell you that you don't always make the right decisions. At least at first, you're making the best decision that you can with the information that you have. And man, let's be gracious towards people that are trying to do what's right. Shouldn't we have an attitude of grace? Of, Of all people, we should have an attitude of grace by giving them the benefit of the doubt and saying, you know what, I think he's trying, or I think she's trying at least to make things better. The third thing, why would we do all this? Peter's pretty clear. For to this you have been called. Christians, you've been called to suffer, period. You've been called to suffer. 
I don't care what the Bill of Rights say. I don't care what the Constitution says. Those are subservient to the Word of God. You have been called to suffer. Why? Because Christ also suffered for you. Christ suffered for you through his incarnation, becoming flesh, being brought into the world in the most vulnerable possible position as a baby. There's a vulnerability at the beginning of his life. He suffers throughout that life by enduring all kinds of things and ending his life in complete vulnerability again by going to the cross being completely stripped bare. In fact, what I read recently is that, I mean, I think I've probably known this, but just some books that have really accentuated the idea that Jesus probably didn't have a loincloth on, on the cross, that he was laid bare. Can you imagine that? Like the vulnerability there, Jesus, Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example. What's the example? The example is, being brought into the world in complete vulnerability, experiencing multiple vulnerabilities in spite of the fact that you have complete authority. He's the God of the universe. All things were created by him. By him, nothing was made that has been made that was not made by him. Like, here is the one who has complete authority. I mean, did you see uh, all of his miracles? By the way, are you watching that show called The Chosen? It's on VidAngel. You should track it down. It's amazing. But what, the, what, it, what, what you see is you see this guy who's performing these miracles. He has complete authority over nature, over all things, and yet he's completely vulnerable? Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. So that you would take on vulnerability willingly. So that you would voluntarily allow yourself to be subjected to vulnerability underneath the elected officials, underneath your boss, underneath the people who are in charge of whatever you're a part of. He committed no sin. Let's look at this. Talk about unjust suffering. Verse 22, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. This is really pulling from Isaiah 53, by the way, which really is foretelling of the the crucifixion and the person of Christ. And and it's saying he's sinless. He had done nothing wrong, like literally sinless. Now compare that to yourself. Are you literally sinless? Like you've done nothing wrong? Like there's nothing in your life that could be, ah, I think you broke the law there. No, he, if anybody suffered unjustly, he suffered the most injustice. He committed no sin. He hadn't even lied. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. Christian people, Please, do not revile people online. I don't know that I'm seeing a lot of this right now. I I, I think it's happening, I'll I'll be honest. 
But be careful what you're doing. Jesus was reviled. Jesus was hated. And yet he did not revile in return. He did not, when he was insulted, did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. When he suffered in complete vulnerability, even though he has, he possesses complete authority, he does not even threaten. Not only does he not act on his complete authority, he rests in his vulnerability. But continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So Jesus, even though he's God in the flesh, says, I am not going to respond to this insult. I'm not going to revile in answer to revilement, if that's a word. Because I'm entrusting myself to God the Father. He entrusted himself. He basically said, it's in your hands. It's in your hands what happens here. This is the will of God that you should suffer. For to this you have been called. God, if this is what you have for me right now, that is the only prayer. Us Americans think that, and, and, I, and I love this about America, but I also want to tell you that it really works against our relationship with God. Because if there's a problem, we should fix it. If I don't have money, I'll work harder. You know, that, that kind of stuff. But what this is saying is it's saying, instead of saying somehow, I got to fix this problem by responding with hatred, by responding with disrespect to local leaders or, 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 or national leaders or anybody, my response, I'm entrusting myself to the Lord. Because to this I've been called, and this is His will. And so he says, verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Jesus took all of our sin. Jesus took all of our insults. Jesus took all of our dishonor. Jesus took all of our disrespect. Jesus took everything that we have done and they were bore in his body on the tree. The tree is the cross. It's another way of saying the cross. He's really, he's kind of evoking Old Testament scriptures here. That's why he said tree. He said that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. The sin in this case is disrespecting authority. It's dishonoring our officials. It's dishonoring our boss. It's, it's, it's not living in vulnerability, subjecting ourselves to uh, to those who are in authority over us. That is the sin. That we might die to sin. He did this so that you and I would die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Now hear me on this. I realize that you may be wounded by the stay-home order. 
in some capacity. Your business may be dying. I'm hurting for you. I, I'm, I feel your pain more than you know. I, I realize that you may be wounded by this because you're alone and you feel like this is an overreaction and you, whatever. But, but can you see that other people will be influenced through your suffering? That other people may be positively influenced by your suffering? That other people may be healed by your suffering? That other people would flourish because you suffered? There is no more basic understanding of the gospel than this. Just very basic. By his wounds, you have been healed. What this means is that Jesus, although he had complete authority, instead of being authoritarian and abusive, he acted in complete vulnerability. And as a result, what happens is this. Humanity gets to flourish. All those who believe in him have the opportunity to flourish. You, my friend, get to flourish because of his wounds. By his wounds, you are flourishing in Christ. By his wounds, he was wounded for your transgressions, for your sins. He was wounded. He suffered unjustly. He didn't have to endure vulnerability, not for a second. And yet he took all that on so that you could flourish? Like, like that's, that is the gospel, men and women. That is the gospel that says it doesn't matter what's happening in this world. It doesn't matter what's taking place. We get to suffer with Jesus. We get to suffer with him. And as a result, we get to allow others to flourish. Now, we may still disagree with the stay-at-home order, but what the way that we get to flourish, or the, the way that we get to help others flourish is this, is that your attitude is one of honor towards our government. It doesn't mean that you don't disagree. It might not even mean that you don't uh, protest. It might mean that, it may not mean, I told you this is gray. I'm not telling you exactly how this should go, but I am saying this. Your honorable respect towards the government shines a light on who God is and it makes him famous for good reasons. And so I encourage you towards that because he, although he had great authority, became vulnerable so that you could flourish. Won't you allow others to flourish because of what Jesus has done for you. I want to invite the band forward this morning. And if you're uh, ready to partake of the Lord's Supper with me, I invite you to that.
This is a time of consideration of our own life. Would you take a moment and just think through uh, where have I sinned? Who, Who have I insulted? How have I defamed the name of Christ by uh, sinful posts on Facebook or social media? Or how have I expressed a sinful attitude by disrespecting people? Let's, let's, let's be honest, please. Let's, let's all be honest about this. How can, how can we examine ourselves? So let's examine ourselves for a moment. Would you just take a moment and bow your head? And let's, let's take a moment and let's, let's confess whatever area of sin we have and then we can partake of the elements. Would you do that with me for just a moment? Jesus, I, I confess that I have such a hard time with authority. It doesn't matter who it is in authority. It's, it's the mall cop that irritates me. It's the, it's the school administrator. It's the person who's in charge of the program. Lord God, I am so bad at this. I need you. I have not upheld this ideology, this your teaching here to obey authority and to honor that authority. And so, Lord, I'm asking just for forgiveness. Lord, I know that this isn't a one and done thing. I don't know. I, like my experiences as, as a child don't. It, they, they just don't change overnight. And so, Lord, I'm just praying for the strength to want, to want, to want to, to see myself submit to authority even when I really don't want to. And so, Lord, we thank you so much for going to the cross. Lord, I thank you for dying on the cross for that sin, that I don't have to live in that shame, that I'm not good at obeying authority, even though I have to preach in front of a bunch of people and tell them the thing that I, I really stink at. So Lord, thank you for thank you for your forgiveness of my sins on the cross, and I I ask that you would bring about a, a, a great movement of con- confession and repentance in our church, and where we can honor our elected officials and the people around us in authority, and Lord, that we'd shine a great light on your glory, and that others would glorify you as a result because of what you've done for us. It's in your name we pray. Let's partake of the body of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that your body was broken for us, that it was shed for us on the cross. Let's partake of the cup. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your blood that was poured out 
for the sins of many. We thank you that you willingly gave up your life. You made yourself vulnerable, even though you had great authority, so that we could flourish in your gospel. It's in your name we pray. Amen.